Now more than ever, we need to show communities that have been impacted by a long legacy of racism and race-based inequality that we can do better. One key to that is to increase collaboration. In this bonus episode of This Is Community, Logan Herring Sr., the leader of Reach Riverside, the purpose-built communities network member in Wilmington, Delaware, talks with Senator Chris Coons about working across silos that exist in federal programs in order to effectively address poverty. This conversation took place at the first ever virtual purpose-built communities annual conference in November of 2020. I'm Aton Davidson, and this is Community. Well, good morning, everyone, to the second day of the annual Purpose-Built Communities Conference. I have a special guest with us today, Senator Coons. First of all, congratulations on your re-election. I really appreciate a chance to be on with you, and it was uh, great to be re-elected to the Senate for another six-year term. Excellent. Well, we're happy to have you. Uh, this morning, you are speaking to hundreds of community developers across the country who are engaged in collaborative place-based community development. Reach Riverside is one of 28 members of the Purpose-Built Communities Network. And we are all taking similar approaches to ending intergenerational poverty by focusing on neighborhoods, neighbors, and ways to achieve greater racial equity, economic mobility, and better health outcomes. So my first question to you is, you have been a champion of our work here in Wilmington and of place-based community development. Why is this work important for the future of the country? Oh, well, thanks for the question, Logan. And thank you to everybody who's a part of Purpose-Built Communities and this important annual conference. If we're going to make real progress towards addressing racial inequality, towards tackling poverty, towards tackling the gaps in terms of access to education, to healthcare, to credit in this country, I think purpose-built communities is one of the best models I've ever seen in decades of being engaged in this work. And I am encouraged and excited by how the network has grown and by how your impact has shown steady progress. So why is it important? We need to show our country and in particular, we need to show communities that have been impacted by a long legacy of racism and of race-based inequality in our country that we can solve these problems, that we can make progress together. And I think uh, what you're doing with Reach Riverside, what I have seen being done in Atlanta with the initial um, founding model in Eastlake is genuinely encouraging to me. Excellent. I couldn't have said it better. So in our experience, a place-based approach works as long as it is holistic and comprehensive. Most federal programs and funding are in their own silos. How can we help change that? Well, you know, frankly, most Americans um, understand intuitively that having siloed programs that are run by competing bureaucracies with different goals and with different accountability and different funding streams is inefficient and ultimately ineffective. We don't raise our own kids this way. We don't build our own families this way. And so for most people, the idea that you would have a family of five where there's sort of one program to help mom and another program to engage with dad and one initiative to help your daughter and another initiative to help your sons doesn't make any sense at all. One of the things that I think um, is our biggest challenge and our biggest opportunity is helping federal agencies that are often reluctant or resistant to collaboration um, to work together. Um, so one of the initiatives um, that I've been focusing on that is a legacy of the Obama administration is Choice Neighborhoods. Um, it is a program which was never as big as I think it should be, but it was designed around 
um, sort of multi-silo collaborative models um, for how you can invest money, time, and attention um, to not just addressing housing, not just addressing healthcare, not just addressing job opportunities or educational opportunities, but trying to do all of it in a holistic way. If we're going to make progress, we need to take that model, I think, get it authorized. It's not currently authorized in law. It was just a program that was done. And then begin to move funding towards it from all the different silos that most of us are familiar with that are at HUD or Treasury or at Commerce. Agreed. I think we need to increase the uh, funding available so more purposeful communities have the opportunity to go after that funding for those choice neighborhood uh, implementation projects. So I'm eager for Reach Riverside to have that opportunity as well. We know our country faces serious challenges today and for some time to come. We will not know until January which party will be in the Senate majority. Given that with the new administration, what can we expect from Congress in the next two years? Well, one of the things I'm working on right now um, is talking with my colleagues about um, initiatives and programs that could get bipartisan support um, and that fit um, the president-elect's vision. It makes me smile every time I say president-elect Biden. Uh, I actually just saw Vice President-elect Harris on the floor of the Senate. And um, Vice President-elect Harris and President-elect Biden um, have a vision of genuinely addressing and making progress towards um, uh, dealing with these long unresolved issues of racial inequality uh, and of unequal access to opportunity of all kinds in our country. I think we need to look at some of the places where um, Republicans who may well be in the majority in the Senate have already supported initiatives that we might turn to our purposes. I'll give you one concrete example. Um, Tim Scott is a senator from South Carolina who's a personal friend of mine. Um, he was the principal author of Opportunity Zones. Um, and Reach Riverside happens to be in an opportunity zone. But because of the way the rules were written by the Department of Treasury under the Trump administration, um, and in no small part because of how opportunity zones are being implemented, um, they are of great interest and benefit to investors uh, who are building luxury condos or high-end hotels, uh, but they are not actually delivering uh, what I believe Tim had initially intended, which is job opportunities, housing opportunities in distressed and under-resourced communities. We can take that existing platform uh, that already authorized a tax program and write new rules for it and modify it in a way that some Republicans have a sense of buy-in and inclusion in the strategy that doesn't completely reinvent the wheel, but that moves it closer to the purpose we have, uh, which is to make it more attractive for there to be investment, both of um, capital uh, and time and attention um, to sort of place-based holistic solutions like purpose-built communities. Along those lines, what do we need to do to make sure we do not lose momentum in the fight for racial justice? Um, be insistent. Um, have a righteous indignation uh, about how long it has been and how slow the progress um, has been and likely will be. Um, yet be patient. And that is a hard thing to do. Um, to When you have a visitor like Uh, the president-elect who recently came uh, to visit you at Reach Riverside, take the opportunity, be open-hearted, be optimistic, um, convey in compelling terms just what a difference you're already making. Um, But also recognize that if you don't keep making your case and keep advocating, keep reaching out and growing the circle of people um, who are aware of and supportive of the model, um, if you don't keep doing that, we're not going to make the progress we need to. 
Um, this is a challenge for our whole nation. Uh, and it's a challenge that is based on promises long made and not yet fulfilled. So uh, I couple of things I would do. Um, reach out to literally everyone um, who you can find in your broader community, um, from the faith community to the youth community, to the public sector, to the private sector, and get them all in on advocating for the model. Um, be tireless about it. Rinse, wash, repeat. Send the same message over and over. And don't assume that an elected official or an agency head at the federal or state level who came to visit once three years ago still remembers what you're doing and has you top of mind. Find a way to be persistent without being annoying. Um, and then, you know, last, celebrate what successes you have and allow those who are a part of your journey, uh, whether they're philanthropic or business or public sector, um, to feel some buy-in with your success. Nothing goes farther with elected officials than giving them a nice tour, giving them a, you know, letters from kids in the elementary school or a little recognition in some ways. But don't let them off the hook in terms of actually delivering. Visit in Washington, visit in your state offices, and then have them come visit you. You use the word optimistic, and you've been a public servant for so long. What makes you or keeps you hopeful? Well, you know, at the end of the day, um, over the arc of my lifetime, we've seen real change in Delaware. Uh, my daughter and I were talking about this the other night. Um, she's 19, and she's looking at our society, our community, our city of Wilmington, Delaware, where we live. Um, she's looking at it with fairly sharp and critical eyes right now. And we've been having debates about whether things can change, whether they have changed, whether they will change. Um, one of the things that I have found inspiring is the time I was blessed to spend with Congressman John Lewis over my last decade. We traveled together five times. We went to the Deep South. We went to South Carolina. We went to Alabama. We actually went to South Africa together. And through the lens of his view, I got to see how much change happened in his lifetime, but how hard won and how hard fought that change was. The record turnout in the 2020 elections that the American people chose Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., our president-elect, um, that we see investment and energy around the purpose-built community model. And frankly, that I've got kids who are holding me accountable and are themselves optimistic. All of that in combination gives me some reason to be hopeful. Yeah, I think uh, president-elect Joe Biden said it best when he visited with us last week, uh, or on election day, rather. He said, uh, you know, I told my mother, keep the faith. And she told me, no, Joe, spread the faith. Yep. So uh, thank you, Senator, for joining us today. Thank you for your service and your leadership. We look forward to doing more great work with you, not only in Delaware, but across the country. Have a great day. Thank you. And thanks to everyone at the conference.